0: Welcome to Women in Electronics, the only show that empowers, develops, advocates, and celebrates the accomplishments and advancement of women in the electronics industry, with your host, Jackie Maddox.
1: Well, hello. Here we are again today for our Leader in Highlight radio program. Women in Electronics is a nonprofit organization set up for the talent development of women in the electronic component industry. With that, today we have a special guest that I just adore. I respect her leadership, Lynn Terrell, who um, is at Flex Electronics. I will turn it over to you to welcome you and um, have you introduce your position and what you do at Flex. Great, well, thank you, Jackie. I'm very happy to be here with you today. So
0: I'm Lynn Terrell. I'm Chief Procurement and Supply Chain Officer at FLEX. I joined FLEX in October uh, in this new role, very exciting uh, change for me personally. And in this role, I'm responsible for our direct and indirect materials procurement, transportation and logistics, business operations, materials management, and strategic supply chain management the FLEX Global Organization.
1: Wow, you have a big position there, Lynn. I have so many questions to ask you about what led to this position at FLEX. I know that you had, um, you know, you were president at Avnet United and uh, Velocity over uh, the last, I don't know how many years it was, Lynn, but you had a pretty big position over at Avnet as well. So tell us about that. What even led you? What? let's just backtrack. How did you start in the industry? What led you to that AvNet position? And then from there, what led you here? I know it's a big question, but it's so interesting because it's such an amazing journey. It has been
0: a a very exciting journey for me. So I actually started in the industry in Wiley Electronics in Minneapolis, Minnesota, as an inside salesperson. I had done some temp work right out of college uh, with some companies in that industry, and I thought, this is very interesting. So I uh, applied for a role at Wiley and I worked there for about two years and during that time I went from an inside sales role to uh, field sales responsibility and had some additional you know responsibilities with uh, total cost of ownership st- strategies and initiatives and then after two years uh, with Wiley my husband had an opportunity to play hockey actually in hmm. Germany hmm. and it was just at that time that Wiley was acquired by Veba Electronics, and there was an, a company owned by Veba called EBV Electronics. And so we decided, my husband and I decided, well, what a great opportunity to move to Germany, and I could maybe see if I could get a job at EBV. So I asked for an introduction, and when I when we arrived in Germany, which was also kind of funny because. Uh, We made the decision to move to Germany, and we left about three weeks later. And neither one of us had been there or spoke the language, but we just decided what a unique opportunity. Interviewed with EBV. I was hired there, and my husband and I thought we'd spend a year or two, and that turned into eight years uh, living in Munich. And a variety of positions during that time, all pan-European, focused on uh, large customer, like strategic customer management, and supply chain. And my children are born in Germany. And after about eight years, we said, okay, maybe it's time to move back to the United States, get a little closer to the grandparents. Prior to, About four years before we moved back to the U.S., uh, Avnet acquired EBV. So I asked for uh, relocation to Avnet's corporate headquarters in Phoenix, Arizona. We moved to Arizona and I had a wonderful career at AVNET, great learning experience, a lot of different opportunities and different roles that I took uh, during my career there. As you said, my last responsibility was president of AVNET United and Velocity. So looking after our tier one OEM and EMS customers, of which Flex was, done, uh as well as our global supply chain strategies. And I had responsibility for our semiconductor relationships globally at AVNET. So wonderful career, uh, a lot of great people that I worked with over the years, a lot of great mentors and sponsors that helped me along the way and gave me different uh, opportunities. And then uh, just about a year ago, uh, I received a call from Flex that they were looking to replace their CPO who was retiring. And I was one of the uh, people they wanted to talk to for that role. I wasn't at the time actually thinking about leaving Avnet. My daughter was just starting her senior year of high school. Mm-hmm. Um, but when the opportunity came, I thought, what a, a, a great opportunity for me, a nice next step in my career, working for one of the most complex global supply chain companies in the world. Mm-hmm. And I thought my, my skill set and my experience played really well um, because I did understand the industry. I I was a supplier to Flex and, and Flex's competitors for many years. So I understood the, the industry, I understood from distribution, the unique role of being between the end customer and the suppliers and in, in making that work. And thought I had a lot of uh, unique abilities that would be uh, very interesting for that role. So I went in and I interviewed with Flex and I meet, met their leadership team. And I was very inspired by the journey that Flex is taking right now. And I thought, I want to be a part of that. Uh, So fortunately, I was selected for the role. It was difficult to leave Avnet after so many years, so much support, many friendships along the way. But I really felt for myself personally, for that next step of my development, uh, it would be a unique opportunity. And I thought it was a really good fit, as I said, with my experience to join the, the Flex organization. And I'm really am having fun in the role it's it's interesting uh having joining a new company as an external cpo being with the company for about three months and then you know entering the challenges of a global pandemic with a very complex supply chain that's my journey it's been it's been very excited i i love being part of the flex organization have a great leadership team and really like the culture of the company so i'm very very excited to be
1: here. Well, I think that you are the type that also helps to build and instill a good culture too. I think that you are a good leader. I think you've proven that. But you said a couple things. I just want to backtrack on real quick. You mentioned that you lived in Munich for eight years. Again, like I love doing these interviews because I, I didn't know that. Um, with you know all these things come out. I that. Is critical for advancement in careers. And I think that, you know, when I listen to your story, and even you taking the opportunity at Flex, like you look at these opportunities with enthusiasm, you see them as like, oh, yes, that's exciting. Um, It's something I think that more women should capitalize on instead of seeing something as like, oh, maybe can I do that or an obstacle? It's like, this is an amazing opportunity. Yes, take it with full force. Be excited. Don't look at the negatives. Look at what it could be. Um, So I love that you tend to rise to the occasion. You take on challenges, even just with you moving to Europe, to Germany. Um, How many people do that? Really? You know, and and your kids were born there. I didn't know that. Again, I didn't know that. So, but let's backtrack. You said your husband was playing hockey. Yes. Is he professional hockey player?
0: Yes, he um, he was a professional hockey player. He played. Mo- he was drafted by Vancouver. In, I want to say 1987, but he played mostly in the minor leagues in the U.S. in the IHL and the AHL, and then there was an opportunity to play in the Deutsche Ice Hockey League. And we actually, when we had to make the decision, it's kind of funny. When you're playing minor league hockey, you get a contract each year, and so you have to decide between which wh- where you want to go and. So we got a few offers because he was a free agent. And one of them was for a team in Germany. And we were living in Minneapolis at the time. And we're from a small town in northern Minnesota. And when we had to make those decisions, we would decide, say, let's get in the car. We're not going to get out of the car until we make a decision. Because at some point, you, you just want to get out of the car. Uh-huh. And for that one, it, it, I think it came through on a Friday, that opportunity. So we said, okay, let's get in the car. Let's drive to Hibbing because we may have to tell our parents we're moving to Germany in a few weeks. Uh, It might be easier to do that in person. And we were maybe in the car for like one hour, and we just said, why would we not take this opportunity? Like, who when we're 80 years old, look back and say, oh, I really am sad I spent that year living in Germany. So we approach a lot of our decisions like that. Uh, even just recently, it was a big decision. We lived in Arizona for 15 years and as part of the, the role with Flex, I relocated to San Jose. Mm-hmm. And again, it was a, a move impacts the family yeah. to say, let's, um, you know, after I've commuted for a year, we're, we're, I'm gonna commute for a year and then we're going to uh, move to San Jose. Mm-hmm. And my kids, my youngest is uh, starting university this year. So. so they were very supportive as well, but I do look think when you're making those big decisions, be bold. Think about how you'll reflect upon those decisions in the future. Always doing something that's safe is okay for for some people. I always felt like I could take some big challenges. And part of that was because I have, you know, a good support structure.
1: Well, that is a critical point that I was going to make. So, it seems like you have such a good partnership with your husband. He's willing to make adjustments mm-hmm. for you. You make it for him. And I also know just talking to you over the years with your children, a lot of women have this issue with mom guilt because we work so hard, gone a lot, miss a lot of things. But you said something and, and you know, your your children seem... Like you have such a good relationship. Number one, I think your husband's been very supportive of you and he's always supportive when you're gone and talking very highly of you and what you're doing, but also your children don't feel that you were actually not there. And I think that's one of the critical points that a lot of moms don't realize. Like if you're there in spirit and you're there, like you're, you're in the game with them, like as far as like you love them and you're, you're in the game with everything they're doing, regardless of where you are they don't always feel neglected like we think they do. So maybe you can comment on that. Yes, and um,
0: I think everybody has mom gifts, whether you're a working mom or a stay-at-home mom or a mom who travels that just kind of seems to be a natural thing where we all think we nobody can do enough. I've actually traveled for my career the entire time my children have been alive. I actually, I think, went on my first business trip. with When each one was maybe three or four months old Mm. um, is when I I started traveling again back for work. I always made sure they were okay with the decisions we were making as a family, and I brought them into the decisions. We actually spend time in Minnesota every summer. We have a a cabin here. I'm in my cabin right now. Every summer, we would go out on our boat in the middle of the lake, and we'd get pizza, and we'd talk. And we'd say, is this working for you guys with mom traveling as much as I'm traveling or I'm thinking about taking a new position? Mm -hmm. And so we would spend time regularly talking to make sure that it was working for them and they, they felt secure in the decisions we were making. I remember it was 2008 I decided to get a master's degree. I felt my career was going very well and I thought getting my MBA would Would assist me in my skill set and knowledge base and also provide a differentiation for me with my peers so i went to my husband and said okay so i'm thinking about going and getting my master's degree i'm going to be gone every week every other weekend for the next two years and it's only going to cost us you know seventy thousand dollars that we don't have (laughs) but i think it's going to be a good decision and he, he was very supportive of that. And even when I was going to school and getting my master's, the same way my kids would come home and show me their homework or their test scores, I would show them how I was doing. You know, I would share with them the test scores or things that I was working on. So we even when I was going to school, we did it very um, much of a family affair and a family decision. It was interesting. My daughter is just graduated from high school and we were talking a few months ago and she actually said in her memories I was always there, mm. that I didn't miss anything. And what's interesting is I did miss a lot. You know, I missed recitals here or, or different activities or sporting events um, through, the, through the years when I would be traveling. But she doesn't remember me missing anything. She always remembers me being there. And mm. I thought that was very sweet because I do know that when I'm when I'm home, I'm very engaged. I always made a point, even if there was a lot of work to do when the children were young, you know, shut the computer off, have dinner, do bath time, spend time with them, even if it meant I would stay up late after they went to bed or, or wake up early. So I think there was, I put some pressure on myself, but I, I was always there with my kids mm. and engaged with them. And when my daughter told me, she in her memories, I was always there, I thought that was just a wonderful message that I wanted to share.
1: Oh, I love that. and I think it takes the burden off so many women because it is really hard to be a woman, have a family, be gone a lot. that that burden, the guilt is sometimes overwhelming. And I think it's what prevents women from going to the next phases but I love your idea of the family plan always checking in you can do it you just have to be very conscious along the way of how you're you're doing this but another thing before we wrap up we just have a few more minutes and gosh I you know again I probably have to schedule another part I'd love to talk to you about more things but you had mentioned something the last time we talked about self advocacy versus arrogance and this is an area I think a lot of women need to hear because we're not Typically, as good about promoting ourselves because we feel like we want to be humble, right? So, can you comment mm-hmm. on that? Because I think this has helped you in your career. This balance you've been able to maintain. Yes, and I think it's incredibly important for women to, to advocate for themselves to make sure that
0: people are aware of the accomplishments of, of what you're doing, what your career aspirations are, and and having a direct dialogue to make sure that people are, you know, your whether it's your manager or other people in the organization. Are really understanding what you're accomplishing and, and where you want to go and it is very difficult because sometimes you know i can in in the past i've had times where i truly felt i was just being very very factual and taking advantage of an opportunity to highlight things i've been working on with senior executives but then you get a message like oh be careful you know you don't want to come across too arrogant and i would always think about that a little bit and i do think there is you know, a slight difference of how men approach things versus women approach things. But I think when you're, it's important to self-advocate. It is support important to do that humbly as well. And I think, you know, experience is, is, is very important, to, especially in this industry. The experience I have, the relationships I've built over years, whether it be with advocates internally with my company, with customers or suppliers, you build those over time and, and you leverage that experience of senior executives around you i feel i learn every day hmm. when uh, because i'm observing and i'm i'm looking at how people are handling situations and wondering how i can do better or, or learn aspects of what they're doing so i do think women really do need to take charge of their career i always i've always had a plan um, i've always had ambitions and i I've, I've articulated them with my management team I said where I want to go and had very clear com- communications about what areas then I would need to strengthen and what areas where I'm strong, where I need to continue to leverage. And having that open dialogue and being um, uh, receptive to that in, you know, constructive criticism of areas you need to grow, I think that is, is very important. But kind of having that plan of where you want to go in your career and what you want to achieve. And then making sure you are self-advocating along the way is incredibly important for a, a successful career.
1: Yes, and I also think you made an excellent point about being able to hear the feedback. So when you have your uh, support system, um, as you had mentioned, are you hearing the constructive criticism or feedback or whatever it might be. I think that can be challenging for women too because we tend to be perfectionists and we don't want to make a mistake but it's always good to keep adjusting um, along the way but also, you know, as we're wrapping up I just wanted to ask you, so you were one of the original when we first were starting Women in Electronics. I mean, literally, we were like, we had nothing. We had, we didn't even have a website or anything. And I remember you were Mm -hmm. a supporter. And I just wanted to end by asking you, you know, what benefit do you think women in electronics has in this industry and just women's groups as, as a whole? Like, how valuable do you see that moving forward as we progress in the industry?
0: Well, I think the opportunity to network with other women in the industry is incredibly important. Early in my career, my network was the mothers of my kids' children as opposed to other you know professionals in the organization. And it was as I really got to more senior levels of the company where I was able to network in industry events. And that that changes things. That that's where you're really in a position to, to develop and strengthen further relationships, whether it's customers, suppliers, competitors, learning more. I wish I would have had that opportunity earlier in my career, mm. um, to to branch out, to ask questions, to get advice, to to find people who really want to help succeed and are willing to give you that that feedback that you need and support that you need along the way. And I think that. The networking opportunity across industry for women in electronics is one of the most valuable aspects of it. It's like I said, it's certainly something I had, wish I would have had Mm -hmm. earlier in my career.
1: Well, thank you for being here. I wish we could talk to you longer. We have our Women in Electronics Mentorship Program, that's an industry wide program that I wish I would have had as well. And so I'll be nudging you, Lynn, to get involved with <laughs> be <course>. a mentor <laughs> because we need uh, to be inspired by women like you. And I feel like when I, you probably can attest to the same, when you were attending all those maybe executive conferences or you were at the beginning stages of your career, you really didn't have a whole lot of other women to look up to. So Mm -hmm. it's it's really nice (laughs) to see the role models now and and to be able to connect. So thank you so much. Appreciate, respect everything you're doing in the industry and have a very blessed day, Lynn. Thank you, Jackie. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.
0: You've been listening to another episode of Women in Electronics right here in Orange County's only community radio station, octalkradio.net.